0: This is working the beat. It is Friday, June 12th, 2020. I'm Kevin Cooney. You're all with Mike Kern. Glad you can join us on the precipice of a weekend here as we get set for the resumption of stuff slowly but surely. The uh, PGA tour is back this weekend down at Colonial. We'll talk with Mike about that a little later on. Baseball had its draft. Still doesn't have an agreement on whether to play. Um, We may touch on that. The NBA could be hitting a snag as far as their reopening plans. And Mike and I will talk about that. But joining us for our special guest on this show, it's Bernard Fernandez, the longtime boxing writer for the Philadelphia Daily News. Bernard uh, is going to be inducted into the Boxing Hall of Fame. And so that will, you know, that will just be the subject of good conversation. Uh, I think Bernard is one of the better guys that we deal with or we've dealt with. He's uh, now retired. And so I think getting a little different angle on what life is like now out of the business and kind of the state of boxing. That's one of the things that Mike, myself, and Bernie will talk about. And we will start that conversation when we come back here on Work of the Beat. Thanks for joining us uh, as we kick off your weekend here Thanks a lot. Looking to reach the sports fans of Philadelphia In a brand new way This is Kevin Cooney Each week, the Work of the Beat podcast With Mike Kern and I Brings the hottest topics Into this sports craze town With the people and the events That shape the landscape Now your business could connect with those people By advertising on the Work of the Beat podcast Join us at 267-546-7277 Or email us at Workingthebeat at gmail.com To find out how you can reach out to this growing audience. It's the best sports talk in Philadelphia, and you can be a part of it. That's 267 546 7277 or beat at gmail.com to join the Workin the Beat podcast family. It's not often on this show that we get a Hall of Famer. We had one uh, last week with Paul Hagen, and now joining us, uh, he should have been in New York this weekend. To be inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame. Uh, Unfortunately, obviously, with the COVID 19 uh, pandemic, uh, that has been postponed to next year, but we're still thrilled to have him on. Bernard Fernandez joins us from the long time from the Daily News. Bernard, how are you?
1: Hey, Kevin and Mike, how are you guys? I'm good, Mike. Good, Mike. Is it raining in Catasauquit, New York? No, I'm just going (laughs) to presume that there's tornadoes and earthquakes and. and and plagues of, um, you know, uh, locusts and and you know, <laughs> bloody rivers or whatever. Uh, so you're te- you're we,
2: technically not a Hall of Famer yet. We got to clarify well, that, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: I, I don't get, you get the, the election? Ring, I don't get the ring until next year. However, uh, my bio is up on the uh, International Boxing Hall of Fame website, and um, the plaque is hanging in the museum. So I'm kind of halfway there.
2: That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. And, and
1: who, and who there's, there's another Bernard going in with you, right? That you covered his whole career. Yeah, Bernard Hopkins, uh, which is kind of interesting. Um, the funny thing is that you guys might know this is that um, Will Chamberlain and, and, and Bill Russell were friends, and it was Wilton Norman Chamberlain and William Felton Russell. And when they would call one another, like if Russell called Chamberlain and said, oh, Hello, Norman, it's Felton, they used their middle names. And whenever I, I speak with Hopkins or try to call him or something, I, I say, hey, Bernard, it's the other Bernard. To him, I'm the other Bernard, you know. So uh, um, <laughs> two Bernards on the same, uh, same platform, you know, our page, That that's going to be a little tough to handle, you know. Bernard,
0: <laughs> uh, let's start with that. What was it like being around Hopkins as much as you were?
1: <laughs> well, he, you know, a lot of people have, you know, preconceptions of the guy, you know, because um, – he likes to talk, and sometimes uh, he doesn't exactly think through what he's going to say before he says it. But I know that, for instance, if I call him to do a story and I would ask him a question, I would get, you know, 15 minutes of stream of consciousness on that one question. But somewhere in there, there was one or two gold nuggets, you know, and it just to a pan for him a little bit, you know. it um, uh, sounds and, like Cheney. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you you've been through it, you know. I mean, we all have somebody like that. They they don't they don't believe in short, snappy answers, you know. So you you just kind of wait till you get the good stuff.
2: Yeah, and Bernard, you you have a as an aside, not an aside. You have a book coming out, right? Uh, on kind of like your memoir. I guess it's like your best stories from the from a hundred years at the Daily News. But what what is that? And what's it, not you know.
1: Not quite a hundred years.
2: Okay, 85, whatever. It,
1: it's an anthology, you know, and, and theoretically, it's, I, I guess it's a best of anthology, which presumes that you know that some of the stuff I did was the best of whatever my stuff was. but um, uh, those selections were made very carefully. The book is out now, and um, it's, getting, it's getting some good reviews. Um, What's it called? Uh, championship Rounds okay. And, and
2: I'll um, I'm, I'm mention prominently in there somewhere. I'm assuming.
1: Um, it, your name is in there. And, and <laughs> <me>. <laughs> Why? Not real, not real prominently, but it's in there.
0: You just spoiled Mike's weekend with that. Yeah. Uh, Bernard, I, I guess I should ask you. I mean, obviously, where do you think the state of the sport is right now? Um, it's getting challenged, obviously, by MMA. Uh, it's... Has kind of come back on regular television with Top Rank going on ESPN, uh, but in the you know the consciousness maybe it's not as prevalent as it it was 15,
1: 20 years ago. Well, you know it's like anything else, and and I'm going to say something that Mike can relate to. Um, back in 1990, when when Mike Brathard, who was our executive sports editor, uh, okayed. For me, a trip for me to go to Tokyo for for Tyson Douglas, not knowing that Douglas was going to do what he did, um, the presumption was that Tyson would whack the guy out in like one or two rounds. And why are we spending so much money? And his his rationale was, "Hey, it's Mike Tyson, who is probably the the biggest draw in boxing since Muhammad Ali, and where he goes, we go." And and for Mike. Um, covering golf, his version of Mike Tyson was Tiger Woods. And you know, if there was a major and Tiger Woods was in it, you know, he was going to go. Yeah, and, and even Cheney was like. I mean, that was the rationale.
2: You got to be with Cheney because you never know what's going to happen.
1: Right. Uh, you know, might choke somebody or what. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, with my guys, you know, they bite. They bite off ears and you know whatever. <laughs> but it's like anything else. All these sports. Are superstar driven um when i was a kid you know the names were willie mays and, and mickey mantle and the, you take you know those kind of guys away and the sport's not the same um there was a golden era of heavyweight boxing you know in in the 1970s you had muhammad ali and joe frazier george foreman um those were those were the big, big guys but also larry holmes um and then there was a lull period, but then came back with Tyson and Evander Holyfield, Lennox Lewis, Riddick Bowe. Um, so so now, you know, I think it's a little bit of a comeback because there was some uh, enthusiasm that was generated by Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury, uh, who's crazy, but crazy in a good way. Huh. I mean, you know, he does put butts in seats. Um, uh you know, Anthony Joshua just came back and regained his titles. Um, so, as long as as long as there are big names um, out there, people are going to be drawn to the superstars. And um, I, I, I get asked this a lot. Well, you know, bo- you know, boxing is in a down cycle or whatever. It's in periodic down cycles, but it always comes back. It's like you know. Dinosaurs are gone, but the co- the, the common cockroach survived. Ice, <laughs> you know. And, and Two things, think, Kevin. Hold on, hold on. Oh. Go ahead, Bernie. Burning, finish. Go ahead, Burn. I mean, you know, like like boxing is like the sports world's indomitable cockroach. It just survives, you know, and it keeps going. I mean, I personally, I don't think for for all of these discussions that we have, you know, uh, about uh, is it on the way out. They've uh, been standing for sixty years I'm still here. You know, sixty years from now, I think it'll still be here. I won't be. Do you? Th- you might. You might be.
2: Uh, Kevin, I gotta let you know. On diners, drives in, and dives, right now they're doing pit beef from Baltimore. I just thought I would throw that in- at. That's you. That's good to um, know. It's good to know. Um, Bernie, t- two things. One is back w- when we were younger. I don't know if Kevin's young enough, to, old enough to. He might be. But it wasn't just heavyweights. There was great fighters at the other divisions, like Roberto Duran, Sugar Ray Leonard, Hagler, and Tommy Hearns, Hagler. You would watch that too. And it seems like now everything is heavyweight centric. Is is that true to an extent, or am I just missing the boat that there's other good fighters out there at other divisions? Well, you have Mayweather.
0: Uh, you've had
1: Mayweather in another division. Yeah, I mean. and, and, yeah. And the, right. Depending upon what happens with the zone, because. He signed a five-year, 11-fight, $365 uh, million dollar deal with Zone. That would be Canelo Alvarez. And uh, because of the pandemic uh, and there's no live boxing, everything had put on hold, um, I'm not really sure if he's going to be able to fulfill that uh, contractor. Zone, is going to be able to pay him that kind of money, you know, going forward. But he right now is, I, I guess, boxing... Um, under-heavyweight uh, equivalent of Oscar De La Hoya mm-hmm. or, mm, or Mayweather or whatever. You know, he's, he's he's the guy who's not a heavyweight who is probably the biggest draw and biggest attraction in boxing. Uh, you mentioned those other guys, you know, the, the Four Kings, uh, Duran, Leonard, Hagler, and Hearns. Um, that was a down period for, for heavyweights. Yeah. And, and basically, Bob Arum said, hey, you know, if, there's, if, if this is not a great period for heavyweights, I'll, I'm going to put on some of those guys, you know. And, and, I mean, you didn't have they didn't have to be a heavyweight, uh, you know, to enjoy, you know, Hagler and, and, uh, and Hearns. Those were the three of the greatest rounds in the history of boxing. And um, I still enjoy a good fight, whether it's, you know, heavyweight, you know, light heavyweight, middleweight, You know, whatever, you know, if it's a good fight.
0: You mentioned uh, Bernard Fernandez joins us, we should point out, uh, who will go into the International Boxing Hall of Fame. This would have been the weekend. Unfortunately, it's going to be postponed the next year because of COVID. Bernard, you mentioned about the zone, and obviously, you know, on the television landscape, it's weird because you have HBO who got out of it completely. Showtime is still around. ESPN has taken the top rank stuff you have the zone in there. It seems like it's a more splintered environment than it was when it was just pretty much, you know, you tune in on a Saturday night on HBO and there was something there. Am I well, wrong? It's
1: not, a, it's not a more splintered environment. It's the same splintered environment, except that the splinters are, you know, with different promotional outfits. Um, you know, going back, uh, to when I, I got into this, uh, crazy sport. um, you had Aram hated King, and and they, you know, King hated Aram, and and Dan Duva was in there, and, and Top Rank, and they had other promotional interests. HBO was battling it out with Showtime. Um, all right, HBO is out of it, but not the Zone is in, and you know, um, uh, Aram's got to deal with, with with Top Rank. The players have just changed. I mean, you know, the the, you know, what what was I saying that they had in, in DragNet? The names have been changed to protect the innocent. Well, the names have been changed to protect the guilty. Sometimes, you know, but uh, <laughs> but I mean, basic basically, it's the same thing. It, it you know they, they just change things around. It's like it's like having the same furniture in a room and, and you kind of move move them around a little bit, you know. And and uh, that, that's the way I look at it. Okay, Mike Bernard. Going back to that
2: 1990, like how we used to spend money and what the journalism business was then. Didn't you get into the room of um, when you were in Japan, because you didn't have to write that night. I guess it was a Saturday. Didn't you file a story the next day that you were in the room with um, uh, either either Douglas or,
1: or Tyson or both? Well, no, not in, in the room. But there was one thing, and, and, and I find this kind of interesting, and it's actually in the, in the book. Everybody should run out and get it because it's really good. I mean, if I do say so myself. And,
2: <laughs> but, you can uh, say
1: it, sure. But um, uh, we were, I was in Tokyo for eight days, and, and they had a lot of media from around the world. You know, And there was a large contention of British journalists. And Tyson was doing two media press conferences a day. One was with the American writers, some of whom he had kind of a contentious relationship with. And one was with the British writers, and he loved the British guys. So, you know, first day or two, I went to the, the, the press conference with, with the American writers, and he would be saying one-word answers and clearly didn't like some of them. I'm sure he loved me, you know, but I'm <laughs> um, just kidding. Um, but then the British guys would be talking about all this good stuff they were getting. So I said, to hell with this. You know, I started going to the British press conferences, And King would be kind of giggling because he knew I wasn't, you know, wasn't from England. Um, But they would ask questions and Tyson would be very expansive and giving these good answers and everything. And there was a question that I wanted to ask. And um, I said, wait a second, you know, I, I'm not Meryl Streep. I'm I'm not going to be able to pull this off. So I tried to ask the question in a, in a foul uh, British accent. And it was really not good. And, but at least I brought some humor to the thing because they were all falling down laughing, you know? And then after, after Tyson stopped giggling, he actually answered the question, you know, <laughs> but, but,
2: that, but didn't the... you, did, did you get some access though, after the fight that people, because oh, I, no, no, I, no, I remember no. you writing something that was, and everybody back here said, I can't believe Bernard got that kind of access.
1: Yeah. Because the thing is, is that, you know, when the, the day after when they tried to come up with that the long count thing and that, and that uh, the, uh, the WBC and the WBA were going to investigate. Maybe they would name Tyson as the winner and all this other kind of stuff. I went back uh, to the hotel, you know, and, 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 and Tyson's people were basically packing up to, to go back to the United States. And uh, I was able to get some stuff um, from some of the people in his inner circle, you know, that um, not him, you know, because I, at that point I think he was – probably ready to you know to eat it you know he was talking about eating Lennis Lewis's children I was afraid he would try to eat my ear you know um, but I, did get some good, I did get some good stuff those were
2: the days Kevin when we could get access I don't know yeah, you know it's funny when was the last time Kevin seriously when was the last time you remember like getting some kind of weird access to something that maybe really gave you, like, a
0: story that maybe nobody else was going to get? Ooh. Um, yeah. Like, How about that? Like, let, let me put it this way. Probably a high school game at Kamlo, uh, with Kamal Egan for a state title I got access. That's about it.
1: Like, yeah, behind-the-scenes
0: access, and that took a lot to get done.
1: Bernie, let yeah, me – me, You mentioned, you mentioned uh, Bernard Hopkins. Uh, there is a, a story uh, in the book about – Ah, uh, there was this uh, this teenager who had a had cancer, had his leg amputated uh, below one of his legs, below the knee, and his uh, he went to the Make-A-Wish Foundation, and they they said, okay, what do you want? And he says, I want to go out. He was a huge Bernard Hopkins fan. He wanted to be flown out to Las Vegas for the Bernard Hopkins Joe Calzaghe fight, and they flew him and his family out to Las Vegas, and and. and Hopkins had met him once before. Um, so there was going to be a meeting between the family and Hopkins and Hopkins hotel suite. And they didn't want to make, you know, like invite, you know, 50 media people up there. They thought it was really like a private thing, but they didn't want to have it sort of recorded for posterity. So they, was, they, said they were going to have one person involved. And because the kid and his family were from Philadelphia and they were used to reading their boxing stuff in in the Daily News, and because the kid was a huge Hopkins fan, I got I got the thing. So I'm there, and I the the guy the kid wound up dying um, from the cancer, but he lived long enough. Um, a couple months past the time when he was supposed to pass away, and he got you know he went into a coma um, after he saw Bernard Hopkins beat. Kelly Pavlik in Atlantic City on, on TV. And um, so that's, it's, it's a very touching story and it, it reveals a, a side of Bernard Hopkins that is not maybe generally known. I mean, he did some good things. Another thing he did was um, when he fought in Reading, um, defended his middleweight title. Um, you know, that Steve Little, who was a super middleweight champion and a former Hopkins uh, sparring partner, he had died uh, of cancer. And his wife, his widow had six children and Hopkins uh, uh, donated $250,000 from his purse. Once again, not widely publicized uh, to the family, you know, so, so those are just two examples of, um, of some of the more positive aspects of Bernard Hopkins that that a lot of people aren't familiar with.
0: Bernard Fernandez, Bernard Fernandez joining us, Bernie, I got to bring you back to Tyson and Tyson in my lifetime, I'm forty five. Tyson is the biggest call of personality among box in, in boxing. Um and I think what's always made him feel bigger than life was the fall. That how he went from such a height to such a rapid fall. Obviously with the with the rape conviction and all that. What is his all and now he's had this resurgence because of how much he's opened up after this, you know, in his post-life, and he's talking about boxing again. Ultimately, how is history
1: going to judge Tyson? Well, I I think he's one of those guys that's a little bit like Mickey Mantle. I mean, like, Mickey Mantle is a guy that's a great Hall of Famer, but he liked liked to stay out and go to nightclubs at the Copacabana with Whitey Ford and, and... Billy Martin, and he liked, liked to drink a little bit and, you know, had the ostia. Well, I can't even pronounce it, but the thing with his knee, he was in a lot of pain in his later years. So he had 536 home runs and, and great Hall of Famer. But everybody says, what could he have been, you know, had, had he lived a different lifestyle, if he hadn't had the knee problems? Would he have hit 700 home runs or 800 home runs? You know, it's, the, it's a what if thing with him that, that as great as he was, you wonder how much greater could he have been. And with Mike Tyson, that's the thing. He had a terrific crime, except the prime was abbreviated. It was abbreviated by the rape conviction and his being away for four years between fights. Yep. And when he came back, um, he surrounded himself and, and a lot of, a lot of, a lot of the blame goes on Don King and, and justifiably so. Um, but he surrounded himself with, with people that basically were not giving him the advice that was in his best interest, and um, he tried to do it on muscle memory. You know, I, hey, I knocked everybody out before. I'll just go out there again, and he didn't have the right trainers. He didn't do the right this. He didn't do the right that. Um, ran with the wrong crowd, and, you know, talent is is a gift, and you have to nurture it. And and you have to respect it. And you have to, if you're a superstar, you have to have intangibles and and, and work, you know, really hard so that you can maintain those gifts as long as you can because no athlete is is going to, you know, be a, a great lawyer or a great doctor for 40 years, you know. So you have to make the most of the time that you have. He made the most of the time that he had, when he was very young, in his early twenties, right, and then when he came back, he was still knocking a lot of guys out. A lot of a lot of the people he beat fell down because they were so afraid of him. Michael Spinks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, mean,
0: I hate saying it that way, but Michael Spinks is well, the prime yeah, they, example. Yeah, there were
1: more. There were more than a few people, but the thing is, is that that um, Teddy Atlas always said, um, and he and he was basically referring mostly to Evander Holyfield. Um, because that fight was supposed to happen in 1991, and people were saying, well, gee, if they'd had fought in 1991 instead of 1996, 97, Tyson would have done this. And and Teddy always said, you know, Tyson had a bully mentality. And he was there were a lot of people who was able to bully, you know, but the first guy that really, and I guess that first guy was, was Buster Douglas, but he was specifically referring to Evander Holyfield. He said, you know, that, that uh, uh, somebody who would not, buy into his, uh, you know, monster uh, persona, um, you know, could back him down. You know, and that's what happened twice, you know, with Vander Holyfield.
0: Is that part of that, and Mike, I'm sorry, let me ask one more question. That can, on that's you. okay, don't worry about um, is part of that, how much of that goes on King? Because I think the perception is that when Tyson gets with King, Tyson gets less serious about the sport maybe the the Douglas thing takes the bully factor away and then it all goes to hell from there how much of that is on king that king promoted a little bit of that atmosphere around him
1: well you know the thing the thing is is that you know king wanted people who would basically do his bidding so two of the the guys who were quote unquote co-managers of uh, Tyson uh, John Horn and Rory Holloway. Right. Rory Holloway was the guy who accompanied in the Indianapolis for the for the, uh, the beauty pageant, right. you know, which was like I don't know, um, locking a kid up in a candy store or something like that. You know, that that was not going to end well. They had people around Tyson, uh, who he trusted and, and and you know basically did right by him. Customato died. Jimmy Jacobs died. He didn't like Bill Caton, you know, when a out of there and King saw his opportunity to, 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 get, get control. And he formed an alliance with Robin Givens and her mother, you know, and, and, um, you know, Kevin, um, uh, you know, his trainer, Kevin, Kevin, know, Rooney. Uh, Kevin Rooney was bounced, you know, and so all of a sudden now he's got people around him who are telling him what he wants to hear, but not what he needs to hear. Mm-hmm. And, and that and that can happen, you know. What I mean, the thing is, is that that look, none of us knows what it's like to be on top of the world and have the incredible amounts of money, you know, coming in. Uh, that sort of fame, um, anything you want, you can have. Particularly when you have a background like he had, coming up in, in the Brownsville section of Brooklyn, and it can it can steer you the wrong way. Yeah. And, and, and that's what happened. I, a lot of it goes on Don King. I mean, um, yeah, he did play the race card, you know, because he went there and said, you know, the guys that are around you are, 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 are white guys and like, you know, we brothers got to stay together and all this other stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know, unless of course that the advice that you're given is bad advice, proves not, proves not to be the, the right advice. Right. And, um, So people say, well, how did Mike Tyson go through $300 million? Well, you know, when he's basically letting Don King call the shots and and saying how much money he's supposed to be getting, um, it's amazing how little of it comes back. When when, um, Tim Witherspoon fought in London um, uh, against um, uh, Frank Bruno, the first time he fought Frank Bruno, he was supposed to get a million-dollar purse. Mm-hmm. And, and and he was supposed to get most of the million dollars back. King gave him a check for $92,000, you know. And he said there were expenses, you know, like for, uh, for soft drinks he drank in and, 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 and camp. And he, that's a heck of a lot of, you know, a lot of coke. If, you, if you lose 800 There must million. have been a soda tax over there. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don <laughs> King was the original Jim Kenny. <laughs>
1: God almighty. They must have been some some incredible, you know. Every <laughs> every time he, you know, like ate a hot dog or something in training camp or something like that, they must have charged, you know, like fuel and prices for it or whatever. But, um, so yeah, I, you know, there's a lot of people that get a share of the blame, but ultimately, <laughs> you know, Mike Tyson is a grown man and 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 he had to make his own decisions and he made some he's he made some poor ones.
0: Do you think he's made better decisions lately, or it looks it?
1: Well, some years ago, uh, I think you remember his four-year-old daughter. Um, he was on the treadmill, you know, when, when no adults were around, and there was like a, a jump rope that was hanging on one of the handles, and they got wrapped around her neck, and it strangled her, and she died. And I think losing a child, a young child like that, was like a cold slap in the face to Mike Tyson, that, you know, um, maybe this uh, menacing creature that that I've tried to, portray in and out of the ring, you know, maybe that's not the way to go. And um, I would like to think that he is a better person than he was. And, Hmm. and um, I would like to think everybody who has gone off the right, off the right path, you know, eventually finds a way back on, you know, unfortunately most of the money that he had is gone, you know, and, um, but the same thing with the Vander Holyfield. I mean, Vander Holyfield, in many ways is the, the polar opposite of Mike Tyson. But he had that house that looked like a Marriott resort. He had um, got nine, nine children by however many women, and every, every one of them who went to a judge and asked for child support, you know, the judge looked at what Evander was making and said, that's $112,000 a month, you know, yeah. um, for each kid or something like that. So between between that, you know, he he, he's, he wasn't Mike Tyson but in a way, in some ways he was, you know, and that's why these guys wound up um, not exactly, you know, on skid row, but but they don't get to keep much of what they really earned in the ring. And it, it's a tough way to make a living. Mike.
2: Hey, hey, Bernie, I heard Stan Hockman one time when I was a lot younger telling me that he thought boxing was the best beat to cover. Because of you, all, there was always stories. And Rich Hoffman, when he had the beat, or he did say because he did it before you, told me the same thing. Do you feel that way? Do you feel like you were kind of blessed to get that beat because of the amount of stories that would continually? There, there was never a lack of things to write about. I'm guessing.
1: Well, when I came to Philadelphia, you know, Elmer Smith was 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 doing boxing that, and I really I really wanted that beat because and, and you know this. Uh my father had been um a very successful amateur boxer, had a brief pro career. Matter of fact, I'm sitting in my home office where I have a poster with Archie Moore's name and letters this big and my father's name right underneath with letters that big. But, you know. <laughs> but he's on the same poster. That's pretty good. Yeah, but you know the thing is that you know the one you know when they had Gillette Cavalcade of Sports and Don Dunphy was the the, the ring announcer, uh, excuse the uh, doing blow by blow. <coughs> I was a kid and I'd be watching boxing with my dad, and his favorite fighter was Carmen Basilio. So my favorite fighter when I was like fifth grade was Carmen Basilio. And uh, when I came to Philadelphia, which is you know was is a great fight town and had many great fighters, and you know that's what I wanted to do. And in 1987, when Ratha was going to switch some of the beats around. I went to him, I said, um, uh, who do you have in mind for boxing? He says, well, I don't know, I'll have to pick somebody. And I said, anybody volunteer for it? He said, no. He says, I'm the guy, you know. And first fight I did for uh, for the Daily News was Hagler Leonard, you know, and which is not a bad way to go. And I was there at Caesars Palace, and they had media from all over the world, and I just said, I don't know this feels like home. And when I went to the blue horizon Ringside felt like home, you know, it still feels like home, you know? And, um, um, I didn't get put on, on it because I drew the short straw. Um, I got put on it because I wanted it, you know, and, um, and Atlantic and, city was big
2: then, right? Bree? I mean, oh, there was a, like a, like a ton of big fights down there, right?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, you know, they, um, there would be some weekends where they would have like, a fight on a TV fight on Thursday and one on Friday and two on Saturday. And, you know, and, and you had to kind of pick your poison, you know, like, like, do I go to this fight at this casino or I go to this fight at this other casino? And it was, it was great. It was only, you know, an hour away by car, you know, a little over an hour away by car. And, um, and they had big fights coming in. I mean, um, uh, whatever he said about Donald Trump, I mean, uh, he had five, five. Uh, I knew his name would get mentioned on this podcast again no, this week. I'm no, kidding. I thought, I thought that they're going to implode. Trump, Plasma, Trump Plaza, you know, but, but but he he brought in a lot of big fights, and and um, a lot of people went kind of bananas when when the Atlantic City Boxing Hall of Fame, you know, uh, inducted him a couple of years ago. But you know, why not? Yeah, he was the guy. He brought Tyson. Yeah, I mean, Tyson, Spinks, and, and four other Tyson fights happened in Atlantic City because he put up the site thieves, you know what I mean? So um, a lot of people aren't giving him credit for much, but, you know, at least, you know, you get credit for that.
0: Although, Bernie, let, let me ask. There was a story recently that he credited him with the death of big-name boxing in Atlantic City. Uh, well. There was a fight there he kind of – hold out late or whatever or I'm trying to th- remember to fight. I, I, I remember reading the article, but I forgot the fight. It was,
1: well, you know, the thing, the thing is that, that um, with gamblers and I, I spent so much time in, in casinos that if I had a gambling problem, I'd probably be living in a, a big cardboard box under an overpass now, you know, but, uh, but, but I don't, um, I'm one of those people that, that I enjoy um, or, or I hate, losing or hate, uh, losing more than I enjoy winning. So I just don't, don't play. Right. But like, but like anybody who gambles or, you know, if you're a casino owner, you're gambling too, you know, on, on, on your fan base and whatever. Um, for, for a time, 10, 12 years, things were very flush in Atlantic city with boxing. Right. Um, the inventory was amazing. They had, you know, everybody wanted to go there. Um, HBO was there a, a, a lot. You know, they, they renovated Boardwalk Hall. Um, and then the boom went bust. Um, part of that, I guess, maybe owes to Donald Trump and to some other people. Other factors were involved. Hey, the Miss America pageant went away, too. True. You know, um, so the thing, the thing is is that, that I don't know if you could put all the blame at any one person's door but it was a nice heady ride while it lasted. It just didn't last as long as it might have. Yeah.
2: Uh,
0: Kevin. Kevin, did you ever cover a fight? I have. I I've been the one. I, I I'm trying to remember if I covered it. Was the t- yeah, I, the first Tyson fight back here, Bernie? Okay. When it was at the Spectrum, and I'm tr- Was it against James Mathis? Oh, yeah, that was
1: in de- December sixteenth. At Ninety-five. Yep,
0: it was Buster Mathis Jr. or Buster Mathis. Yeah, uh, that that may have been the only fight I ever covered. So
2: I covered one at. Uh, it might have been the Blue Horizon. I- I'm not sure now. But, and I remember, you know, getting hit with blood. <laughs> so, so, it's somebody took a shot, you know, yeah. and and but I never had an interest in it, like like Bernard did, going back to his childhood and everything. I mean, I like boxing. I like watching it but I never had, you know, the desire to cover much of it. But, you know, Bernard took it and rode with it for 40 years. I mean, you know, and me I, and you were doing college basketball and stuff. I right. Guess.
0: And I, I can tell you at our place, we had a guy, Lyle Fitzsimmons, who's now working, I think, for CBS Sportsline or something. He does, uh, or CBS CBSSports.com. He, he did a lot of our boxing coverage because we had a couple guys from Warminster and all that who were mm-hmm. uh, fighting at that point. So, yeah. Bernie, congratulations again. Um you know we we all i we've all bumped into each other over the years and and how much we respect you especially with that with that beat that's not an easy beat uh, you know it it can be glamorous and everything but trying to find the great stories hey uh, hey kevin yes i
2: will tell you this as much as we respected him at the paper the respect he gets in the boxing community and immense. the boxing right yep. is is now we i couldn't even explain it like if i tried you mentioned Bernard's name to a boxing person, and and it, it's automatic entry. It's like you know, so that, that's a credit to him because that's not easy to you know to yep. to be that person, you yep. know. And, and he has so, yep. you know, something to be said for that's why he's
0: going into the hall of fame. Yep, Bernie, I appreciate you joining us. Thanks, man, and good luck, uh, and uh, stay safe.
1: Give my best to Annie. <laughs> I, I will do that, and, and next time when I when I get down to uh, New Orleans in in October. You won't be there, but uh, I will dedicate a meal at Commander's Palace to you. How do you know I won't be there? <laughs> you don't know that. Yeah, that, that's his favorite restaurant. Yes, that's my favorite restaurant.
0: Yeah, everything with Kern comes back to a restaurant, I think. Correct. No, no, Kevin, Kevin, He's
2: trust me on this one. Commander's Palace is the bomb. <laughs> it, it, it's, 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 I, it I never, everything.
0: I never need to hear you ever say the word the bomb again.
2: It,
1: it's, <laughs> It's, it might, Bernard, right? It might be the
2: best meal we have all year, right?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, the thing is is that pe- people used to ask me, like, like you know, from from various papers that I worked for, uh, what about this five-star restaurant, not five-star restaurant? You're from New Orleans. I said, yeah, but, w- w- you know, when I was growing up in New Orleans, like 99% of my, my meals were taken in my mama's kitchen, you know? Mm, yeah. <laughs> we were going to the house a and, and, lot, and, but it wasn't on expenses, you know? And Bernard had the, the guts.
2: When we got the fixed price, to ask the guy for a special dessert, and they made it for him, which was like unbelievable to that, me. That's, but that's they,
0: an accomplishment right there. That's
2: strong. Yeah, that it's
0: strong. Bernie, thanks. Appreciate it. Okay, guys. We'll be back. Be good, Bernie. We'll be back All on right. working the beat right after this. All right. Thanks again to Bernie Fernandez for joining us. All right, Mike. uh, Final twenty. Are you in it
2: Real quick. Are you in any hall of fames? No. Really? None. Okay. I'm still young. Okay. Yeah, you are.
0: My yeah. career is pretty much over, but I'm still young.
2: <laughs> nah, you yeah, you're right. I mean,
0: I, I they put me in Lincoln High's
2: thing, got well, a while I, ago. I, wa- and-
0: I want to be in the Judge Hall of Fame. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I, I, I think I would be honored to be in the Father Judge Hall of Fame. Okay. Yeah. There. I, I'm campaigning. Know, Sue me. Yeah. Go. Ahead. Yeah. You're allowed. Go ahead. You know, Joe Kerrigan's in it, you know, Mike McCluskey's yeah, what's, in it. What's, what's he done? Yeah, Mike <laughs> McCluskey. Yeah, what are they done? I think Tom Maloney may be in it, from, formerly from KYW, who God, the one of my guy. favorite
2: people, God bless him, one yeah. of my favorite people that ever did our profession.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right, let's do some rapid fire here. Uh, I had said uh, for Ask Mike Anything, um, unfortunately because of some time constraints, I'm going to have to uh, – cut that short here this week uh next week you can always do it next week yeah next week chris carlin will join us and i promised a very special guest for our thursday show next week and we got it on the night where action news is celebrating their 50th anniversary jim gardner joins us so uh to talk some sports and to talk being a philadelphia institution which i think it's fair to call him that would you agree michael Fair, yeah, <laughs> he might. He
2: might, defi- I mean, he might define it. Um, Larry Kane, Jim Gardner, um, yeah, John, I mean, John some Fassenda. guys from back in the day, John Facenda, I guess, right? Um, but but Gardner's out, I mean, Gardner Gardner's the longest on the bunch, than anybody, right? Yeah, 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 he, yeah, oh, he's definitely no, you're, you're, no, you're not overstating so that at all. We
0: are honored that uh, Jim Gardner is going to join us, and he loves, I know, baseball and- college basketball and college football. So we'll talk to him a little bit about sports. And we'll obviously talk to him about 50 years of action news. All right. Seems like today there's uh, some more rumbles, Mike, that some NBA players are not happy with the idea of basically being sp- spending three and a half months in quarantine to finish an NBA season. And, um, you know, it was funny before we came, to, I came down the, to record this. There was an idea that from Colin Coward that maybe Adam, Silver's going to have to re-examine the everybody at Disney World to maybe a split campus kind of like the NHL or maybe you know finding a way to make it work other ways. But uh, you're still stuck on a campus.
2: It doesn't matter if you have split campuses. What what
0: what's the difference? I, I think the idea is though that it is so strict, and especially about not seeing, not having the accessibility of families until after the second round of the playoffs and having to f- finish the final eight games of the regular season. That's where I think there's the, the hang-up at this point.
2: Kevin, it goes back to the fact that we all want our lives back. Yep. Okay? Now, how do we get there? And the president's now saying it's behind us. Well, it ain't behind us. He wants to say that that's fine. Uh, I don't know if it's going to get worse. I, I, I'm not a doctor.
0: but The numbers aren't trending well, but go ahead.
2: Now, of course they're not going to trend well. And when the fall comes, they're not going to trend well, but we're going to go ahead anyway. Because that's what we do. We're Americans. We're not afraid of anything. John Harbaugh came out today or yesterday with a story. He said, trying to adhere to all the rules that the NFL is saying down, you can't do it. This is John Harbaugh saying this, not me saying this. The problem is, is like people want it. Okay, this is how we're going to do it. And then when it gets down to the nitty gritty of doing it, we're going to find out that, you know what? Maybe we can't do it. Um, They're going to do it because, you know, that's what we want. But when coaches are now telling me, you know, as great as the NFL is, we're going forward, we're we're going to do it virtually for a month, we're going to do whatever, that maybe you can't pull this off the way they want to pull it off. And there's going to be casualties. It's as simple as that. People have to accept the fact that people are going to test positive, Mm -hmm. that you're going to have to figure out what you do when they do test positive. Um, Colleges are going to have to figure this out. And that's why I think the whole idea – of bringing fans into the equation is way too premature. I think you can pull off games, families I
0: th- within the. Equation. I
2: think yeah. I think you can. I, I think, and you're still going to have people test positive, then. But you can probably figure it out. But as soon as you bring ten or twenty or thirty thousand people into the equation, you're right, pretty much back, you know where you started from. When I read John Harbaugh saying that, I'm thinking, oh my god, it's June, and John Harbaugh is telling me that he's not sure and I'm sure he's not the only coach that feels that way. Um, I don't know. Like I you know, you would have thought when this first came up that these guys would have raised concerns. And I understand that they're telling some people aren't going to be there very long. You know, they're gonna be there, they're gonna play eight games, they're gonna go home. But the LeBron James is one. this is why like when you asked me last week about Disney World, I mean they can't just let families go to Disney World.
0: No, and no I'm not. sorry.
2: Yeah, and you can't even let them go out of certain parts of the hotel probably. Yeah, I it, it's just so much. you
0: M- know. and the NBA is trying to ease their fears. Um, sure, there's a wo- there's a Woj report. Fourteen of the f- fourteen of the twenty two days of the twenty two teams, teams rather right. will be eliminated within fifty three days of arriving, so less than two months. Four teams that's
2: still. F- that's fifty three days,
0: Kevin. I know, and only four teams will remain after sixty seven days. So basically. When you get to the semifinals, you're at about two months. When you right, get to the conference shuff, they're finals. Shuffling
2: off, they're shuffling off the 53 days as if it's nothing. Like, we've mm-hmm. been stuck in our houses for three months, and we can go out. You can see your family. It's been three months in a house, in a neighborhood. 53 days is not a short period of time. No, it's not. <laughs> That's, you know, and I'm guessing hockey's going to have to address the same issues, yeah. Um, you yeah. know, and baseball, if baseball ever comes back, I guess is going to, although they'll be home, right? Because they're, they're Baseball's
0: going, to, going to home cities, which is. Which I think is even more um, risky.
2: Whatever. But I, you know, what do I know? Maybe, maybe this is all going to go smoothly, calmly, you know, whatever. But I've, I just can't, with all we've been through in the th- past three months, hasn't it taught us anything? that it's probably not going to I'm not saying that you know five hundred million people are going to test positive in September. I'm just saying is we know there's going to be speed bumps along the way. And now the question is how do we how do we handle this?
0: Meanwhile, Major League Baseball's owners today sent a proposal that the season will last between seventy and seventy five games. They would want to give the players eighty to eighty five percent of their prorated salaries, a slight increase from the last offer. Um and, of course, you had you had Rob Manfred come out on before the draft on Wednesday night, and I know, Mike, you were riveted to every moment of the MLB draft. Uh, yeah,
2: I mean, yeah. The Philly, I love it when people talk about who the Phillies drafted. What do you know about this kid? You don't. You don't know anything, but that's okay. We, we got to talk about something.
0: Um it's fine. They're getting closer, but Manfred's saying that there's going to be a season one way or another. It may be imposed on them. Right. But there's gonna be a season. You gotta figure by this time next week that we have to know what's gonna happen, right? Well, if they're gonna play as many
2: games as they're talking about, I would imagine they gotta get started sooner than later. Yeah. But my, my question to you is if and it seems like they're gonna reach some kind of an agreement somehow, some way. I, I don't I felt that all along. If they impose a fifty game season or a four or whatever it was gonna be, because they can't reach an agreement, Kevin. At that point can the player say no, no? Or do they have to? They
0: have to if it's imposed they have to go.
2: Okay. Because okay. of
0: because of the terms under the CBA, but okay. what they could do, the one thing they could do at that point is withhold anything else. In other words, you are paid to play a game and that's all Fair you're it. going to do. You are not required to do interviews, you are not required uh, to wear uh, a microphone. You are not required to do anything else. But play. uh, But play. And with those games, Kevin, like if they did a
2: 48-50 game schedule, would they be traveling? Yeah. They would be. And It would all be in the East Coast. How fast can they come up with a schedule? I'm just curious. Uh, They they must
0: have something already designed.
2: Yeah, but with different different games we're talking about, right? We're talking about 75, 72, whatever. They must
0: have something already designed. Yeah, do you think they're going to play? Well, they're going to play. It's a question. Oh, oh, okay, okay. They're going to play. Is a and look. I admit, I didn't think they would play. And look, the one hitch in this. Now, I was reading a story this morning about the idea that the Blue Jays may not be able to play in Toronto. uh, Why? Because of restrictions in Canada being a little more severe than they are here in the United States. Yeah, they're talking about playing. What?
2: What? What does Canada know? They're just treating it like it's a oh a virus. Oh,
0: okay. They they're talking about playing all their games in Dunedin. Please don't.
2: Okay. <laughs> or
0: we're playing. I'm
2: assuming I'm assuming Dunedin is not domed and it will be like 110 degrees in Dunedin.
0: Well, it's also how do I say this? It's also of all the spring training sites, it's the one of the older ones. I know they're trying Real, to do uh, a, they're trying to do a rehabilitation of it and everything. And and Dunedin's yeah. a wonderful town. I love right. Dunedin. It's right next to mm-hmm. Clearwater, but I right. don't know if that's the type of facility you want to have a major league team playing, even if it is only for 30 games, basically. Mm. See,
2: I think at this point, Kevin, they don't care.
0: Oh, they it's, don't.
2: They're it's, pretty clear. You though, know, right. right. And I'm imagining now you, you, you keep tell me if I'm with hockey, you have what, four Canada teams or five? I think we um, said um,
0: six in the, uh, in the six. pool.
2: How are they going to deal with those teams then?
0: Oh, they're going to be. Well, they're not. They're not going to play. Games they're not going in to play Canada, games they, in Canada. But the other thing is, if you are in Canada, the rule is apparently if you go into Canada, you have to spend 14 days in quarantine. So okay. that's the main problem okay. here for U.S. teams going in. Right. You can't do it that way. So if you're, but if you're, let's say the NHL and you decide you want to play all their games in Toronto, okay. Right. You build in the 14 day quarantine before you even start play. Well,
2: they they'd be stupid to take it to Toronto if that's the I mean, but if you come well, from no. Canada,
0: but if you come from Canada or Europe to the U.S., do you have to quarantine for 14 days? There is a there is something. I think the U.S. I'm trying to remember the way it was phrased. I think they are viewing them as essential personnel, and as, as long as they pay, they pass test. Okay, they can do it. Okay. It, but what we're saying about the NHL is if the NHL is going to come back at the end of July and have it, let's say, in Toronto, okay? Right. You just make sure that all your teams get there July 1st. So all your teams yeah. are in the quarantine yeah. bubble and then it's done and then you could start play on the 30th or 31st, whenever they're going to start. Yeah.
2: But then once again, we're talking about putting guys in environments – yeah. You know, that, that some guys are going to probably balk at that. Not, I mean, look, they're going to play. Right. They're, they're going to play because they're going to play. But I think we forget sometimes. We think they're just players. You go out, you play. This is what you do. You're getting paid a lot of money, most some of them. They're human beings. I, I mean, I understand we're all making sacrifices. We're right. all doing what? But it's like, you know, oh, okay, you just go there and stay for 53 days without your family. Well, you know, I mean, like, you know. I'm- Maybe for for a lot of us it's okay. I can say, hey, Gene, I'll be back in 50 days. Right. You know, but some people maybe that's a, you know, and then, you know, some people might be
0: having children during right. that time. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 it's 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 a lot. It's a lot. It, it is. Can be a. It can be a lot. And it was funny because I actually read there was a art. There was also another. I think the Daily Beast had it. Uh, where the NBA is instituting two different... This applies to something we would be interested in. Two different media tiers. One would be people who would have access to players and everything who cannot leave the Disney complex. You basically are ingrained in the bubble for the entire tournament. That's Woj. And then right? the others yeah. who would be at Disney can come out, but they have no interaction with players. And basically, you could sit in the stands at the Wide World Complex... Without, without basically, you know, being so, a reporter without having the access.
2: I wonder, where, like a Keith Pompey. Would like, would, would they at well, least allow
0: one person
2: from every team? Like Milwaukee would have one guy, Philadelphia would have one guy, but Boston would have one guy. Well, Mike, or I think girl.
0: I think they're saying that the commitment would have to be for three and a half months. Yeah, basically. but if,
2: you, if you're the if I mean, we had Pat McClune on last week. And he was talking about this very thing. If you're the Inquirer, do you have to make that commitment?
0: I think you do. Uh, I think they're saying you had to, you do.
2: Right, but I'm saying, with the is the Inquirer going to say, okay, we're going to that's a great we're question. We're going to commit to paying for Keith Pompey, you know, for I don't know, whatever, however long the Sixers are there. Where would the Bucks County Courier figure in that? Where do you think what kind what tier level would they be in? Uh, <laughs>
0: that's a loaded question.
2: <laughs> but I mean, these are questions, Kevin. You know. Economic times for papers right now. You know we don't have to tell anybody this is it's bad for a lot of industries. So you're the Inquirer, and you got, or, or let's say you're a team. You're not let's going. Say you're,
0: the, you're not going. But let's say
2: you're the Lakers. Let's say you're the Lakers, and you're the
0: favorite. And you're the LA Times. You're
2: going. You, exactly, and and you probably want more than one guy there.
0: But they would limit the one person. That was the other thing. Oh
2: no, but I'm saying you might send a columnist or something. I know, but they, but the limit team. would
0: be to one person. That was the one right. other part of it.
2: Um, but I'm guessing. I mean, I think that if, that would be a tough decision for the Philadelphia paper because I think they would try to do it. Well, I really do. If you're the so, they,
0: if you're the Associated Press, I would assume you would send one person. But that's a one person covering a lot, man. Uh, yeah. I mean, do you think the Athletic would go? I, who knows at this point? I mean, the Athletic. Yeah, I, the I, Athletic sorry. obviously just laid off 48 people. I don't know if right. I don't know if they're going to have the money or the the stomach to send somebody this sitting in Orlando for three and a half months. I just don't.
2: Now, I agree with you, but what I'm saying is, you know, if Joel Embiid, uh, you know, breaks his foot or, you know, in the third game, I mean, you know, it's kind of tough to ask, uh, ask, your, beat, ask your beat guy, you know, um, Rich's son, yeah. you, know, it's, you know, oh, well, get on Zoom and talk to – yeah, that was always the reason why you were there yeah, in, in case something – I mean, these are questions – God, there, there's so many layers of questions. And I know the average person sitting at home, it real, they, they just want to see the games. You know, they, they'll read whatever stories are written. Well, and, and
0: MLB has MLB told their announcers that basically uh, road teams are going to just do it from a studio.
2: Um, right. So that, right. Is,
0: that is now a given. Before, and you
2: heard what Shredinczak said. He thinks that's horrible.
0: Yeah. Uh, one final point. We got about a minute. Uh, obviously, the PGA Tour returned at Colonial. Um yep. Kind of, what are you saying? What are you, what are you seeing so far right now in the first day plus? I, I to be honest, I
2: didn't watch any of it yesterday. I just checked it to see it. if my how my <laughs> how my guys were doing. Yep. Um, I think golf can survive. Well, will they draw
0: a big they, number this weekend?
2: Uh, what else is going on? Exactly. I, I mean, I think they'll draw more than they normally would. I, I mean, for a normal colonial. Um, you know, it, 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 I think the first five tournaments are not going to have fans and they're going to try to have fans at the Memorial. Right. Um, and I think you can have fans on a golf course if you space them out, if they maybe wear masks. Um, you know, you're not going to have as many as you normally would. Right. Um, I think w- what when it, when it will really get interesting is when you get to the majors. You know, when you get to a PGA Championship, I think is scheduled for August, if I'm not mistaken. The U.S. Open, I think, is in September. The Masters obviously is in November. The whole world could be changed by November. Yeah, how the hell do we know what's going to happen? But I think golf is one of those sports. Now, not a Ryder Cup. You know, a Ryder Cup I think is different. I think you do need fans at a Ryder Cup going semi nuts. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, golf is golf. You go out, you hit a golf ball, you go hit it again, and I mean, you don't have to tip your cap to the fans because there's no fans there. It was an interesting thing I saw Kevin real quick about tennis where they were saying when tennis comes back like um, whatever one they're gonna that you're only gonna let the player bring one person from his team into the arena and guys were saying that's impossible they go we need like three or four we need you know our trainer our coach this guy that so that's like another question that you know people have not answered um it's going to be a fluid thing it's going to be a very very fluid world for a while yeah. But it's a start. It is. You know, hey, hit hit a golf ball.
0: It is, and so you know, and so it goes. I mean, we're right now at a point. It looks like things are opening back up. It looks, you know, you have golf back. You have NASCAR, obviously, is back, and
2: yeah, and you have twenty states that have um, increased um, increased numbers. Numbers. So you know, it, and we know that's going to happen. You know, we know that's going to happen. So,
0: and we haven't even you, really hit whatever. The end result right. was after last weekend with, you know, with everything that happened with the, uh, with the marches. Right. I mean, you know, right. we're we're now about the two week mark of, of what was going on, and you know, we'll start getting numbers. I'm assuming on that pretty soon. I
2: mean, you didn't even talk about the Confederate flag, and
0: basically. we are not going to because we are out of time. <laughs> okay, I mean. Look, it, it, no, that's fine. It was the right, it was the right call by NASCAR. Yeah, it
2: was the right call for years. It was like too late, but yeah, yeah it, but it, yeah,
0: it's you know, it's obviously the right call. And uh,
2: some people, some people didn't think so.
0: No, you know,
2: so. I know. Hey, look, we live in a country of 350 million. No matter what side of something you come down, on, there's always going to be a lot of people that are going to take the other side. Yeah, that's just the, that's that's America.
0: Yeah. All right, Michael. uh, I will see you on Tuesday, and then we're doing our uh, Thursday show on Wednesday. So uh, we will enjoy enjoy a good week next week. I know that. So have Have a good good weekend. weekend. Yep. Our thanks to Bernard Fernandez for joining us. Our thanks to you for joining us. This has been We're Going to Be. Have a good weekend.
2: See